In this episode, we take a look at different divination tools. We take a look at scrying, reading candles and smoke, runes, and many other cool things. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, what do you think about a whole episode on divination tools and methods? Yes, I love it. This is something that a lot of people have written in, um, sent us messages about doing like different specific ones. And so I thought we could sort of combine them because there's so much similarity between all these different tools and methods. Exactly. Yes. So basically a divination tool is anything that you use that can help you either receive, get clarity on, or understand any sort of like intuitive message or download. Right. And the part that some people might not like is that it doesn't actually matter like which divination tool or technique you're using because it's really just sort of like a way to tap into your own energy. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not as if any of the divination tools are the things doing the magic intuitive work. Exactly. It's you that's doing that. These are to sort of like help, I don't want to say reinforce, but like process. Yeah. Process. Like have something kind of like outside of your own head. That's like helping you figure it out. You know, a lot of times when I'm using a divination tool, you know, and we'll talk about some of the examples of them and stuff, but like, whether it's like tarot cards or like anything like that, I'm usually looking to confirm something that I'm already sort of picking up. Right. Exactly. And that's also why I think people, if you're new on the intuitive sort of journey, you usually start with a a divination tool because you might not trust yourself yet. So like you start with an Oracle card or a tarot card or runes or something like that, because it's almost like we have forgotten to trust ourselves So like, we'll trust the cards. Yes. But then eventually you don't need them as much because then you start to realize that it's really all inside of you. Exactly. That's so true. And it's learning to trust yourself. And it's also helpful to learn your own process. Right. Because like we've said so many times, everyone's intuition works differently. Right. Everybody's learns differently and processes differently. Like the way that you take in information is different. And so using these tools is a great way to get familiar with kind of your own process and even to simply start to really see the difference or hear the difference between your intuitive voice and like your ego voice. Agreed. And I think that that's why someone can be so sort of in tune with or such a natural at using, say, tarot, Mm -hmm. but then they're trying to teach it to someone else and it's just not hitting or it's not clicking because that might not be the tool that works in that person's body. Cause no one's the same. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And 
they can also change. Like you right. might go through a, a time where you're obsessed with cards, like tarot right. cards, angel cards, and you're pulling them daily and you're doing spreads and you're getting information. And then suddenly you might not feel drawn to them anymore and you move on to something else. Totally right. awesome. I, I guess if we could use the word normal, I would say normal right. to do that. Yeah. It's part of the process. Absolutely. I also think that divination tools, when I'm looking back and studying like ancient cultures using them, Mm -hmm. the way that I see it presented is like a way to sort of like open the door to having these kind of intuitive conversations with people. That uh, it's a great way to say it. So if you were like sitting around a fire, like back in times and it, I don't know if you've ever done this now. I mean, I know Jamie and I have done this, but you kind of want to say something intuitive, but like you have to find a way to open the door. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like everyone's talking about the weather, but you want to like ask them if they're aware of the weird energy going on around them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's kind of a good way to start that. And I know for me, a lot of times when I would have like a new client come in for a session or something, I would love to start with cards or something because it, also opens up the other person's energy in a way like it it really I don't know if opens the right word but it like helps people connect in the way that you need them to I agree totally so there's also like a social aspect to these that I think is really cool that's a really good point I think because you can rather than you saying like I see this or this is what I'm picking up if you have like a card or some sort of other tool that it's like bridging the gap between the two people conversationally Yes, something that I had to learn in my my teens and adolescence was that people don't really receive it well when you just walk up to them and they're like, hey, your dead grandma is standing next to you saying that you're drinking too much. And also, why are you still doing this job? Because like, I can tell that you don't like it. And it also looks like there's some belief you had in childhood that's making you stay. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if you did that to me, but most people right. don't like that. You need to, you need to work sort of like work your way up to that. <laughs> yeah. And it's a great way to also like get permission from someone to tap in and to get yeah. information and also to gauge how open someone is. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I want to start by talking about a couple of the most well-known divination tools Mm-hmm. And we've also done episodes on them or where we've talked about them before, but I, I want to mention them because it would be ridiculous not to, but you can go back and find those episodes for more on these things. Right. But like Oracle cards, angel cards, tarot cards, probably yep. the most popular divination tool that I've seen anyways. I think so too. Totally is one. In fact, we're going to talk about um, the origin of those, where they actually come from. There's an, there's another divination method that I know you like, Jamie, um, that they come from actually. So we'll talk about that, but that is a divination tool. So if you ever pull a card, yep, that's that you can, now also you can use playing cards. They don't have to be fancy, like Hay House brand cards or something like <laughs> Yeah. I've seen people that do readings with like regular playing cards. Absolutely. You can it's all energy. Them. It's all the same thing. You just have to learn what they mean. Exactly. I mean, even for me, sometimes the way somebody like puts down the stuff in their hands, Mm. I will look at and look to see if I see any sort of messaging in that. Like Mm. it's literally everywhere. You just have to find ways to pay attention to it. 
Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So there's also um, using a pendulum, which we've talked about, and I've done detailed explanations on past episodes to to look at. So you can check that out too. Yep. Um, I think it was on when we talked about frequency and things. So like you can yeah. find that also very popular. Um, and it's not, I think, I think the pendulum has gotten into like a weird place sometimes. I'm like, wait, like this is, that's a really ancient thing that a lot of people's grandmothers probably use, not just like way back in pagan times. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's the popular thing where you see if it's a boy or a girl, if someone's pregnant using a pendulum, like there's so many uses for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about some other ones that we haven't done much talking about. Okay. I want to start with scrying. Yes. (laughs) So this is getting a message from staring into any kind of reflective object or surface. No, thank you. (laughs) I was going to say, Jamie teased a story about this, so I'm going to make you tell it in a few minutes. So get ready. (laughs) But this is a very ancient method. And like, like we say so often, Across all cultures in in pagan culture, people were scrying. Yes. The earliest, like, text we can find about scrying comes from Persia, and it's from the 10th century. Nice. Okay, but we see evidence of scrying across all cultures. All right. But that's where we could find, like, written evidence of it. And I just thought it was also interesting to note that scrying in particular, specifically, was outlawed by Christianity. Really? It's <laughs> not surprising. No, but I think it's it's sort of like a little flag to how powerful it is. Exactly. Christianity bothered naming it specifically. Anything that the church doesn't want me to do, I'm like all of a sudden very interested in. <laughs> that That is, you could replace the word church with anything in that sentence and it would be right for me. If you say you can't do it, I'm like, well, I think I'm going to look into it. <laughs> If you've ever seen imagery, and I know you have, of somebody staring into a crystal ball to get messages, mm. that is where that comes from. Yep. However, like most things, it's misrepresented in that the crystal ball was never like totally clear. It was usually like a smoky quartz mm-hmm. um, or a piece of obsidian that people were staring into that yep. were they were getting messages from. Right. A lot of people hear about this and they think like, oh my God, stare into a surface. Like, no, this could be water. It doesn't just have to be a mirror. It could be water. It could be a crystal. It could be oil. Like people would use that and and stare into it. Um, Very witchy thing to do. People think like, oh, this is going to be scary. Yes. Really. And we'll talk about, because Jamie agrees with that. And we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) But really it's much, it wasn't about something popping up and like suddenly seeing a face around you. Right. We'll talk about why that's a fear. What you were doing was sort of like um, unfocusing your eyes and staring deeply so that you could use your clairvoyance instead of your outside eyes. It was like a way to help do that. Exactly. If you've ever seen me doing or like reading somebody's energy or done a session with me, you will see my, my eyes do like a really weird, unfocusy look off to the side thing. That's what I'm doing. A lot of people who are clairvoyant, which is just like psychic seeing, we see images. Mm-hmm. They will do that. Jamie, I know you do that sometimes too. I do. I think the 
the crystal ball or the mirror or whatever. Just it's just a place to to focus your unfocusing. Exactly. Right? Many people do this naturally, not even for messages, but if there's right. a fire, like you stare into the fire and your eyes mm. focus and it feels kind of good. You know that feeling? Yes. That's yes. that's kind of a form of scrying. Yep. Into a candle. If you're trying to meditate, some people have trouble closing their eyes. I'll tell them to do that, right? Yep. Like all based on this. So what you would be doing would be doing that sort of unfocus. And then what starts to happen is with both your outside eyes and your inside sense of clairvoyance, you start to see symbols and things. So like I would say with my outside eyes, when I'm scrying, I will see sort of like those dots and like shapes start to move or something that's in the background reflecting will start to look like something or will form the shape of something. You know, right. think, think of looking up at clouds. That can be a form of scrying too, where you see a shape in a cloud and it means something to you. Yeah. This is kind of what's happening. Now at the same time, because you're not super focused with your outside eyes, if you're a clairvoyant, you will start to see images inside your mind too, like a movie screen playing. Right. This is what scrying is. People would do this. They would ask a question. They would think of something and they, this would happen. There became this weird thing where people got a little confused because of this kind of language. There's a, there's a language switch up here. Okay. Right. So people would say, I'm going to do this to summon messages or summon beings. Now they didn't mean they were summoning them into the mirror. Right. They meant they were summoning messages from them. And I think the word summoning became like a horror movie kind of word. It's uh, Definitely. <laughs> okay. So we have that. So that sort of confu- that sort of like weird patriarchy thing happened and like that became scary. Yep. And then also when we were kids and I'm sure generations before there's the legend of bloody Mary. Yep. Yep. And there's this scary thing that if you say bloody Mary three times in the mirror, she's going to appear. Now, listen, that doesn't happen, but I, I got to say with a little asterisk here, not a good idea to even playing around, try to summon something that you're like, don't know what it is. Like not the best idea. Are you going to be like murdered by like a, by Mary covered in blood? Right. Are you going to start to have like weird energy in your house? And like, it's going to go missing and you see like fey energy out of the corner of your eyes. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Right. So I, I think that like, this is where this stuff gets all wonky and people start to get scared of it. Yes. In addition, we sort of have this knowledge and Jamie, you actually recently sent me a TikTok about this that like explained it really well, but we kind of have this knowledge innately that there's this other sort of like dimension or realm where these beings can like spirit, angel, whatever, fae, mm-hmm. whatever you right. want to call it, sort of have access to us and can come to us, but we can't quite see and get to them in the same way. Yes. We sort of know this, right? Whatever your belief system is, there's some form of this that you've been taught and that you understand. Yep. So there's this sort of like, this sort of like fear and like caution that naturally comes in that I think is good that tells you to like be careful when you're doing this work. Right. But we sort of get it confused with the fact that there's a mirror and like, now I'm going to, what if I see the thing that I can't see in the mirror? 
Right. Exactly. It's making sense. Yeah. It, it, so, it sort of took a turn. It was a sort of, I think it was that people had like a healthy respect for the idea that like you could communicate or whatever the word is you want to use with like other realms, other beings, other spirits. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the healthy respect was sort of twisted and became like a fear that it was, it's now scary. It's now unsafe. Um, and it, it just was something that I think you were supposed to, we were supposed to be cautious about. Yes. I, I think that we can pinpoint when we started to, you know, through the religious lens, see things as good or evil. Right. And not everything's a mix. Right. That the idea of calling in like an evil something. Right. Bad. But like, spoiler alert, even angel energy is both good and bad. Like there, it, that's right. not, that's not like a, that's not a reality. That's a concept that was created that we never believed before that. Right. So if you're thinking that everything is both and, and you might call something in, that's a different level of like caution that you're saying rather than the fear of like a demon snatching your soul. <laughs> or like yanking you into the mirror. I mean, that's like, it's been so exaggerated through movies and pop culture that now it's like, it's way beyond just respect and caution. It's like, you're, you're actually terrified that something's going to physically harm you. Exactly. Now, when you combine that with growing up and not having the guidance you would have had back right. in the alien days of how to be in front of a mirror, how to scry, how to call stuff in, how not to call stuff in, especially if you're like a really intuitive, empathic kid. Without that, now you're having experiences around something that's reflective, that's like in your DNA to do, but without any information or someone to go to about it, now you're kind of creating a recipe for kids to get, and adults too, to have like scary experiences. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Would you like to share your experience, Jamie? Yeah. So, I mean, I was... Like cur- like currently as an adult, I was very nervous about about mirrors. Not like like it wasn't like stopping me from using them. It wasn't that type of thing. But I I had this sort of idea that if I wanted to like connect to spirit, that I could do it through a mirror. Uh huh. But I was also like scared of that. When I was trying to make myself do it, I like was actually scared. Like I was afraid I was afraid that there was going to be this like jarring like boo moment yep and not that like the not even that the spirit was going to be scaring me on purpose but that like I was going to all of a sudden see this spirit like standing behind me in the mirror which is what I wanted (laughs) that I was like very very afraid that it was going to be like super jarring and super scary I don't think you're alone in this, but yes. Yep. And so, but I had this idea that like I could connect to spirit through that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Heather helped me (laughs) to realize that that happened to me when I was a child. Mm -hmm. Right. So my mother died when I was very young. Mm -hmm. We've discussed that before. Go back and find that episode somewhere. Universal fears and desires. (laughs) 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 And being like, an intuitive little kid, there was a time where I was very little and I saw my mother in a mirror. 
-hmm. And it scared me so much. Like, not that, again, not that she was trying to like murder me and yank me through the mirror, but that it was so jarring to see my dead mother Mm -hmm. that I like turned it off. Right. Exactly. That was like the moment of when I started turning my intuition off because I didn't understand. And like you said, Heather, we always had people in our intuition was never scary. It was something that we, it was just a given in everyone's life in like pagan times. Right. So your family was your guide through that. Yeah. We don't have that anymore. We're all sort of like muddling through. Right. Exactly. And like, think of how scary of an experience that is for a little kid. Right. Right. And I, right. And I, not only did I not have my mother there cause she was dead and she was the one that I saw, but like, I wasn't, I was living in America in the 1980s. Like it wasn't something that we spoke about or talked about. Exactly. And in, in pagan times, in back in, in ancient days, you would have been witnessing scrying ceremonies and people scrying right. outside in the water and like seeing your mother or grandmother or father, like doing it. So like, right. if it happened to you, I'm still sure it would be a little frightening but right. it, you would have some sort of reference for it. Whereas right. in our culture, especially in the 80s, the only reference you would have had would have been some kind of horror film. Yeah, it was like Poltergeist or something. Like <laughs> exactly. literally some awful movie I was watching that was just sort of reinforcing this fear that I felt at the experience where it didn't have to be fear. It could have been like surprising, jarring, but it didn't have to be like an actual trauma that made me turn off my intuitive abilities, which is what it became. Exactly. And that's why you then fast forward 35 years and I feel this like residual fear or this trepidation around mirrors. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't remember at the time, I don't remember that memory, but there's a part of me that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't look too deep into that mirror because because that happened. Exactly. I think a lot of people have experiences like this with some kind of divination tool that it's in your DNA to know and to go into a state when you're looking in a reflection, right? Right. You know to do this. And then not to mention, there's something very intuitive. This is at least for me. Maybe you can weigh in if this happens to you, Jay. When I'm looking in a mirror there's something that I'm very aware of where I'm like, this is not actually how I look. Yes. Something is like a little bit off. It's sort of like seeing a picture of yourself and you're like, what? Cause it's like, right. it's not the right dimensional. I don't know. There's something yeah. that isn't a weird experience about it. And I think intuitive people maybe hear that or feel that louder. Right. Yep. So you're already kind of in an altered state when you're looking at a mirror and right. it's, it's so natural to who we are to do things like this. And it's so forgotten that it becomes fearful, traumatic experiences that we're kind of slipping into because it's like in our bones to do that. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and I think that that's, it shows how sort of persistent, but how ingrained intuition is in all of us. Yeah. That even despite all that, I knew, I knew, oh, if I want to start, like, if I want to speak to spirit or see spirit, I can do that in a mirror. I knew that, even though I didn't remember anything, I didn't remember any of it, but that sort of knowledge, that intuit, that intuition is so 
just normal in who humans are that I still remember that part. Exactly. Exactly. It's so amazing to me. So right. amazing. I would say try scrying, but maybe don't use the mirror first. Right. Right. <laughs> try it in like um, a crystal or in some water or something like try it somewhere else and then work your way up to doing it in a mirror. If you would right. like, yeah. I find it very distracting to do it in a mirror because then I start to be like, why does my hair look like that? Or right. Exactly. Criticizing exactly. <laughs> myself. Um, so I would say very cool thing to try. Maybe just really think on like what, what method is best for you. Agreed. I also wanted to mention that we think the term scrying, we don't know for sure, but we think it comes from an old English word, which is descry. Mm-hmm. That means to make out dimly or to reveal. Oh, that's cool. We've also found evidence of scrying in Greek, Celtic, Egyptian, Babylonian, and so many more um, cultures. So it's there. It's different words, different terms, but it's all there. And just a yeah. reminder, when we refer to Egyptian pagan, we're we're really including like most all of African paganism. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. The other thing I thought was cool is that there was somebody named Dr. John D. Okay. He was alive from 1527 to 1608. Okay. He was a celebrity at the time, and he was famous because he was an advisor to Queen Elizabeth I. Oh. He was known as many things, but the title I liked the best was the Royal Magician. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) He was famous for using scrying. And in fact, you can go to the British Museum in London and you can see the black obsidian mirror he would use. And he also had a smoky quartz crystal, like smoky quartz little crystal ball. They're on display there. He used them to help advise Queen Elizabeth I. And this really grinds my gears. <laughs> I know we've spoken about this before, so I will not go into my full rant about this, but the the audacity... <laughs> Of the patriarchy, which is like the royal family is like one of like the big heavy handed heads of the Hydra of the patriarchy, right? Like the audacity that they would use the church and white supremacy and capitalism and money to try to stamp out intuitive people, Mm -hmm. but then have on retainer a magician and astrologers yeah. and other intuitive people to to further themselves. It makes me so mad. Same. There is so much evidence when you look into these tools and the ones that were like people were murdered for using. Yes. And when it was called out the hypocrisy that whatever the patriarchy in place at the time was using it, they would say, well, it's okay to use it for God ridiculous exactly there and this still happens today guys and maybe it's crying but it's things that like are like poo-pooed or looked down upon but yet the patriarchy can do it and gets away with it billionaires use astrologers like living billionaires right now use astrology yes yes exactly astrologers on like that they bill that that advise them of when to invest and when to sell and when to make big money moves in, in their businesses. Yeah. And guess what? The Royal family still has Royal magicians. You just don't know about them. 
Exactly. All still being done and used. Makes me crazy. The government has a whole wing that uh, like check out our episode on remote viewing that like yes. uses intuitive forms that are, of things that we've been doing for so long. They, they slap a different name on it and they use it. And then <laughs> like espionage. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I want to move us on, but that one is one of my, my favorites. Yeah. Agreed. I want to move us on to one that is so cool. I have tried to do it so many times because I feel like it's in my DNA, but I am never successful at it. And it is tea readings. Oh yeah. I've never really tried this before. I don't know why this doesn't like work for me to do because I love the idea of it, but I have, I just struggle with it. But this is why it's important to like try many different things. Not everything for all of us. Correct. Okay. So tea readings can be found in ancient Asia, the Middle East, Greece, again, everywhere. How many times do you say this in episodes about pagan tools? Right. Well, I mean, everyone was drinking tea. I mean, that's, it's everywhere. Yeah. And we remember this is a time when all these different cultures are doing these things and no one is communicating about it. Right. Exactly. So, yes. Were they starting to travel by, by boat and like bring different things? Yes. And this is when sort of the practices started kind of mixing together, but right. they were, they were going for a while before this happened. Exactly. Basically tea reading is reading messages in the tea leaves and like seeing what shapes and configurations they've formed and getting a message from that. Yes. I would say tea readings to me are a combination of like astrology and tarot cards. Yes. And I think you have to be very clairvoyant. Yes. And I think you have to have a very specific kind of clairvoyance. And I'll tell you that in a moment, or maybe it's not a specific kind of clairvoyance, but it's a specific way of taking in visual messages. Yeah. Like symbolism and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So what you want to do to do this is you want to use a light colored cup. So white is great, but anything light because you really need to see the contrast between the tea leaves and the cup. Right. Then you have to use loose tea leaves. Like you can't, you can't like take a tea bag and like cut it open and use it because those are too finely chopped. They're not going to form shapes. So if you've tried and been unsuccessful that way, you need to get like loose tea. Absolutely. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to make a cup of tea. Now throughout the whole process, like when you start boiling the water or however you're going to do that, you want to start thinking about the thing you want guidance on. Yes. It doesn't have to be a question. It certainly can, but it could just be an area of your life or a situation in general. And you want to focus on that. I mean, this is where the real intuition happens, right? Is like, what do you, what do you need to know? You're starting to tap in. You're start like that. This is where it happens. Exactly. So throughout the whole process of this, you're going to be thinking of that. So when you're boiling the water, when you're making the tea, when you're letting it steep, you're going to be really focused on this. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're having someone read the tea leaves for you, they are probably going to be speaking to you about the thing at this time. Right. Like, oh, what are you thinking about? What do you want advice on? How do you feel about that? That would be, so if you went to get this done, that would be kind of what would be happening there most likely. Right. You can do this for yourself though. You just want to be thinking about it. If you're waiting for the tea, you could maybe like journal or just sit and kind of like let your thoughts wander around it, check in with your feelings while that's happening. Yep. Now, while you're sipping your tea, every sip, you're going to be focusing on this too. Mm-hmm. It's almost meditational, I think. Like it's I agree. Very similar. 
Okay. So then when there is about like a tablespoon left, just a little bit of tea left, now you're going to start the process of, of getting the message. So now there's different ways and different cultures of doing this, but this is kind of like the most well-known popular. Like if you went to get this done, this is most likely what would happen. Right. You're going to hold the teacup in your left hand and you're going to swirl it three times from left to right. Okay. Then you are going to put the cup upside down. So you're going to put the saucer on top and flip it. Okay. All right. And you're going to wait for one minute. Okay. Now you're going to rotate it three times. Okay. And you're the whole time you're thinking of the, the thing still. Okay. What this is doing is giving the tea leaves a chance to move around. Right. Okay. Because a lot of people do this and then just look at how their tea is. <laughs> it's like always in the same thing. Cause it's just, it's dropped to the bottom. You're sipping and it's down the bottom. Right. right. This is giving it a chance to move and create the shape you want it to. Right. Then you're going to rotate it three times. And then you want the position of the handle to be due south. Okay. Now, if you're me and you have absolutely no idea what people mean when they say due south, like <laughs> I understand it's a direction, but like, I don't know when someone, right. all right, let me give you directions to drive somewhere. You're going to head south. I'm always like, you know, yeah. stop being a jerk. What that doesn't mean it yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, give me a landmark. Yeah. But you could use like a little compass or if you kind of know like where the sun sets and rises and goes, just do your best with this. I don't think this is like the most. I don't important. think it's going to make it or break it. No, just pick what no. direction you want it to go in. I would right. say if you're doing this more than one time, like if you're doing it in a few days or weeks, like always have the handle in the same pointing towards the same thing and you're good. Right. Okay. So now what you're going to do is bring the cup back up. All right. So there's only a tablespoon of tea in it. So I would just like pick it up over the sink. Yep. And now you're going to, you can put the saucer away. Now you're going to look at what is happening in the cup and you're going to interpret it. Right. Now, the reason this is like astrology to me is because the positioning in the cup relates to different planets and things as well. See, that's really cool if you go that far into it. Yeah. So you can look at different charts of this. You, you're just going to like look at either an image. You can also like Google it and you can find lots of things. All right. Yep. So you're going to look at that. And then you're also going to see how it's clumped and shaped. And there, there are lots of books that will tell you like what something means. It's, it's kind of like interpreting a dream, right? It's right. like, okay, this right. is the shape. What does that mean? Right. Exactly. Like in anything, the most important thing is like how you feel about it. Exactly. So if it's in a shape and you're like, it doesn't really connect. But before I read the definition of the shape, I felt this. Yes. Override everything for the thing you felt. Always. Okay. The reason that, I think this is hard for some people. One, it's very technical, right? There's yeah. a lot of steps and there's mm-hmm. a lot of like very specific things. So some people who are very ritualistic, who that like really feeds their intuition, this is fantastic for you. Yep. I am not like that. Right. I'm much more responsive to like my environment or what's going on or a person in front of me than I am like taking steps, but that's different for everyone. Yeah, I agree. My clear cognizance makes things happen inside before I even know what's going on. Exactly. So that might be a thing that sparks for you or it might not. And I, right. I also like to say, if you just want to read the tea leaves and swirl the stuff in your own way, I think that's totally fine. I agree. Follow it exactly. Don't follow it. I, I feel the same way with most all divination tools. As long same. as you're not being disrespectful to a cultural practice, I say do it the way that you want to do it. I agree. 
I would probably, I have tried doing all these steps to do a tea leave reading and I have tried just doing it my own way. And if I was to try it again, I would probably just do it my own way, to be honest. Right. Agreed. But also there are some people whose clairvoyance and when they see a symbol, it really strikes up a lot of stuff for them. Right. Exactly. That symbol has deep meaning. Like I think of a lot of people who um, communicate with spirit, like spirit mediums. I feel like they would be good at this because I mean, I have that ability, but that's not my strongest thing. You know, like Mm -hmm. my messages aren't as amazing as some people's, but like being able to like really take one symbol and be like, okay, when I see this symbol, it always means this. Like if that's how your intuition works, I think this would work well for you. Whereas for me, I'll see a symbol and it'll kind of start me on a path, but it's never always the same. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a set definition. Exactly. Okay. So I have a few more things to tell you about Jamie, some cool things. Um, A lot of them have are very, very similar. And one of them is a present I gave you. Yes. So I want to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about those. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, Heather, it's season four. We're here for another season and we still have our favorite sponsor, Restoration Coffee. What coffee are you drinking these days, Jay? It goes back and forth between a Rachel and a Paige. I'm still drinking my Americanos. So if you want a fantastic cup of coffee to go with listening to the IGG or any other podcast that you might listen to, check out Restoration Coffee. You can go to their website. It's restoration-coffee.com. Check it out and tell them that the intuitive girl sent you. Yeah, can't go wrong. Hey y'all, it's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki. So I wanted to let you all know that yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. We are obsessed (laughs) with words. Yes. Yes. How words are spells, right? Mm -hmm. We say that and you hear people say that like words are spells. That's why it's called spelling when you're writing a word out. Right. And I, Mm -hmm. I think it's super cool, but I think some people sort of like gloss over that a little bit. I don't. And lately you and I keep coming back to in our own private conversations, we keep coming back to like, God, this one word, (laughs) like, or or like I was using this word and and I really meant that word. And it really like has set things off for me in like the wrong direction. Yes. I think we go through periods of time because we're constantly doing work on like our own vows and like the way we've written fears and different things. Like you and I are always doing that work, right? Like, our favorite hobby. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I think every once in a while we start really geeking out because we discover that there's this one word that we we sort of like set as a little kid with this meaning and it's like right. it's like just formed our lives based on it. Right, but then you then we're talking about it and we're like, "But wait a minute. Like when I said when I said worth 
or value or like when I made this story up when I was six to make myself feel safe, I know what I meant then, but like, it doesn't mean that to me now. Yeah. It got, it got muddled. It got like my six year old brain made this, this rule about the world and how to stay safe in it. And she, she sort of like misused a word. And now my whole life is, is like affected. And I am, you know, in my late thirties, early forties. Right. And it's, and it sounds sort of like it's splitting hairs, but when I bet if you looked into it, like I bet if the listeners like looked into it and thought about it, Mm -hmm. they would realize like almost like how easy of a shift it could be if you just changed a word or if, or if you even just changed a definition of a word. Yes. I feel like that's what my main job when I would do sessions with people, even now when I talk to people is right. The way that my intuition works is very based in words. Yeah. So, I mean, how many times, Jamie, do I say to you, okay, I'm seeing this word. And then I describe weird symbolism about it connected to another word or like, what, what does this word mean? Like that's, that's constantly coming to me because my intuition really pulls at like what people's vows are, which are just the rules you've created when you were a kid of how to, how to navigate the world safely and like how you're, how you feel worthy and how you feel safe and all of that. So there are so many times where like a word comes in and I'm and I'll ask somebody or I'll ask myself, like, what does this mean? And when I realize how affected my whole life has been right based on my interpretation of it as a child and surrounded by something difficult that I was going through, it blows my mind every time. What was my word yesterday? And why can't I think of it right now? But what was mine? We were talking with you about um, abundance and greed. And we were talking about loss and lost. Yes, that's what it was. It was loss and lost with a T at the end, right? Yeah. We were also talking about like being good and behaving versus being ethical and like the the makeup of what you meant with be good. Right. Like be good to me means to like do the right thing to, to be ethically aligned, right. With myself. But as a six-year-old or five-year-old or however old, I wrote that be good as behaving. Yes. Even though you didn't mean it. Right. That was just what your six-year-old self could figure out you meant. Right. It was like just what my brain had the capacity of understanding. So like, I now live with this conflict of like doing good and behaving, yes. which you know you're not, me, you're not I don't really want to behave. No, <laughs> you don't want to behave. But I want to do good, right? Like I want to do the right thing. So it's like, and it might, when we're talking about it right now, it might sound like obvious, but it's actually like, it's a very distinct difference. And it's so powerful because I would say one of your superpowers is that your ability to like use ethics of like, what is the best thing for everybody here? And in like a millisecond to process and like find a way towards that. Sometimes even like sacrificing your own needs and self, like you do that magically. It's something that you're very, very gifted and good at. And so the fact that connected to the, to, to that, your own superpower is this word confusion that's like altering things for you is it's so influential. And it can be incredibly frustrating. 
But once you understand it, it's then easy to rewrite it. Exactly. I I was having the same experience with the word hunger. Yes. So a lot of my childhood was spent trying to navigate how to be a weirdo. That was how I wrote it. Like I was having all these very intuitive experiences and living in a world where I was figuring out that other people weren't. And then it was scaring the shit out of everybody when I was like bringing it up. It's also not like welcome information from six-year-olds most of the time. Right. Right. Like right. I would like to say, cause you know, I try to work her into every episode to my mom, <laughs> like the most supportive, like right. about intuition now that you'll ever meet. But like, you have to remember in the eighties, how weird that must've been for her. Right. So, like everyone it like a champ though. She did. Everyone's like, what the heck is this girl talking about? Right. So for me, <laughs> if you think about how intuition works, intuition is like desire and desire is that piece that says to you like, Hey, what we have, what we're experiencing right now, what we're feeling is not what we want. Right. So we desire to feel this way instead or more of this or less of that. Right. But then when you think about the space between getting there and, Mm -hmm. and like you kind of have to suffer through this knowledge that you need to change something. You don't have it and you have to get to it. That sort of like place where you need to take action and do something about it is hunger. Exactly. And I realized that I wrote that that state of hunger was dangerous. Exactly. But I translated it into food and my relationship with food and how my body feels when I'm hungry. Because that makes sense when you're six years old. Yeah, of course. I wasn't like splitting the difference there. I wasn't even like, I wasn't even using the word hunger. I just was saying that state is not safe. Right. Of getting, of like there being something that your body needs that you have to go get, but how do I go get it? It's like, that's what the hunger is, is yes. getting from A to B. Yes. Either, either intuitively or with food. Exactly. And it's, it's the action-based part. It's the part that people would see, right? It's the part where you have to do something about it. And so that right. felt unsafe. I couldn't hide that part. So exactly. Then it becomes this whole issue with food. Like it's so crazy. And so this is what Jamie and I are geeking out about. And we wanted to tell you guys, because it's so important to look at the words that you use in your life. And I know it sounds like a cheesy, like metaphysical thing. I'm not trying to go there to be like your words shape your life, but like, it is, it is really true. Like if you take out the cheesy after school special and you really take a look at like the effect words are having on you and the when you boil down fears, when you're noticing like you're, you're reacting out of fear or something feels out of alignment, like I don't have this and I want it, like what's going on. And you peel right. away those layers. The words are where all of the magic is. Exactly. exactly. So look at the words, look at the words, do yep. the digging around the words, say it out loud to someone else so they can help you like hear it and, and find it. But it's in the words. It's in the things you wrote as a kid. Like, this is how I keep myself safe. It's all there. Yep. Yeah. All right. Words are powerful. Spells are real. You've cast spells on your own self that you didn't know you did. They, exactly. they kept you safe when you needed them, but you got to go back and undo them. Yep. Okay, Jay, let's talk next about using smoke and candles to get information. Yes. I like this one. I really like this one. I don't use it a lot, but I love the idea of it. 
the thing that I like about this is that maybe this is me like sharing how I am a little bit diabolical. I don't usually let people besides you know that, but (laughs) if you're somewhere and someone else lights a candle, I am always like, "Mm, I'm going to go over and see what's happening. Mm -hmm. See what they do. And sometimes someone's just talking about something and I'll be like, Oh, Hey, could you light this for me? (laughs) I'm just trying to see, like, it's, it's so easy. Right. Absolutely. If you know what to look for. Exactly. Okay. So I wanted to mention that using smoke for divination has been around forever and in so many different cultures and and different places. Smudging, you know, saging is the Native American version of that, but like smudging spaces using smoke to clear has been around for a very long time and in every single culture. Also, that is a closed practice that we as white people should not be using. Saging. If If you're a white person listening. Saging is closed. Smudging in your own practice is okay. You just have to find it and you have to make sure you're using the proper uh, plants to do that. You don't want to be using endangered plants that are part of a closed practice like saging. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hear you. Hear you on that. (laughs) (laughs) But I know when you're clearing a space with smoke, what you're going to look for, and you can do this with a candle too. You can read the smoke after it goes out. But what you're going to look for is what the smoke does. Yep. So when you're clearing a space, when you're smudging, you're going to see if the smoke goes straight up. That means clear energy in the area. Exactly. Smoke swirls all around into different shapes. It means that there's a lot of energy in that area. Right. Necessarily mean it's bad energy. It just needs to be cleared. Right. Exactly. Again, we have this view, this sort of like, patriarchal religion view of bad and good. (laughs) Exactly. It's just not clear energy. So you're just going to want to shake that up a bit. Right. So if you're clearing the space, that's how you know you're like, most people will clear, like they'll go to the corners Mm -hmm. and wait for the smoke to go steadily straight up. And then you know that that area is clear. Exactly. If you get a new piece of furniture and it was like once owned by someone, especially Mm -hmm. you can, you can, you can cleanse it with smoke and you're just going to look for that. Right. Yes. Okay. What I think is super cool is using candles for reading to see what the flames do and what happens. So I wanted to talk about that. Yep. Okay. So you can light a candle and as you're going to light it, like right before you want to think of something. So again, a subject, a question, a person, a situation, whatever it is, you just want to think about it. I feel like the same process to start all of these guys. Well, well, and that's why I said it in the beginning is because you're doing the same thing just with a different tool. It's this, you're tapping into energy. It's just whatever the tool is, is it's like using a TV or like if you're watching a movie on a TV or if you're watching it on a phone, it's a different medium, right? But yep, it's the same thing. Exactly. And we're such intuitive beings that we were just taking what was around us and using it to right. do this. Like we've, right. we just know to do this. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to think of the thing, hold it in whilst you light the candle. Yep. Now what the flame does is going to give you a message. This is much more my style of gaining a message because it's sort of more like sit and watch. Like I'm not like actively needing to like, research what the shapes mean. 
Exactly. You can look these up, but I would also just, you can, you can use your intuition. I will tell you some of the like main meanings of what stuff does, but Mm. what the flame does based on this means something. Now I would do this if you can indoors without like a window open right by, because any sort of wind or breeze is going to affect it. And you'll get like a more clear picture if you can write that way. Okay. I would also just like to say before I tell you about the flames that in different cultures, the color of the candle would call in different things for you. True. So if you were looking for protection or peace or calm or strength, like you would pick a different candle color. So you can also look into that if you want to, that's not so much divination because you're not getting a message or getting clear on something, but it's just like an extra added step you could do if you wanted. Yeah. You're just tapping further into the energy of the thing. Yes. Okay. So let's say you thought of your thing, you lit the candle. I would like take a couple deep breaths, not into the candle, obviously, but like center yourself and then look over at the candle after, I don't know, like about 30 seconds or so. Yep. What you want to look at is what is it doing? So let's say it's just a good clean burn. It's just kind of still, it's just burning normal. It seems pretty average. That's just a good sign. Not a lot of smoke. It's not moving much. You don't hear any noises. There's no dripping. Whatever you're thinking about, the sign of that is like, yep, manifesting on track. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Confirmation. Exactly. Okay. Let's say that the flame is like super strong and like kind of tall. Yep. This means that you are kind of like pushing through towards the thing, like whatever, whatever things are in your way are starting to move. So there's like a lot of energy around like action-based stuff around what you're asking for. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Okay. If you've got one of those little small flames, it's like steady, but it's small. It's like strong, but it's little. This is still a good sign, but it's telling you we're getting there, but you're going to need to be patient. Right. It's not yep. right around the corner. Mm-hmm. That's one of my least favorite ones to get. I, gotta <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> okay. Let's say you have a really weak puny flame that's barely staying lit. Yep. This is a sign that something is wrong with the timing. Okay. All right. Now, a lot of people panic when something like this happens because they're like, oh no, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It means take a step back and think about what might be off with the timing of what you're trying to do. Right. That makes sense. It just might need an adjustment. Yep. The next one is the thing that happens to me the most, and it's going to make you laugh. So it's a dancing flame. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, yep, I do. The fire just goes like, like all over the place. It's like the flame is dancing and moving around. This means that there's a little too much chaotic energy around whatever you're trying to focus on. (laughs) That makes sense. But see how that's easier to read than like a tea leaf. Exactly. Exactly. Now, For me, when I see the dancing flame, the first thing I'm going to do is calm and center my energy because I, it could just be that you, the person, like you're a little too all over the place. That's true. That's a good point. So if you do that and the flame settles down, I would then read what that means. But if you do that and it continues to dance around, then you just need to look at like, what am I calling in and what might be chaotic about that? And Chaotic meaning there's some kind of conflicting thing in your energy. Right, exactly. You might be trying to call in like abundance, but also be feeling a lot of guilt around calling that in. Yep. That could cause the flame to dance around it because it's like, ooh, there's this push and pull going on. Yeah, there's some resistance somewhere. 
Yes, exactly. Now, if you have a flickering candle, do you know what I mean by that? Like it just keeps flickering kind of in and out. Yep. This usually means that there's a lot of spirits around. Mm, Okay. So this could, I usually interpret this to mean that like they're all trying to help you and they're very present in this and that you need to call on or tune into what they're trying to communicate to you more. Right. Agreed. Sometimes though, especially when I see someone else doing this, I'm like, okay, you need to be a little bit more, you need to have a little more boundaries with your spirits because they're like, you can't even get a message clearly because you're just calling in so much spirit energy. Uh, Yep. That makes sense. So you want to sort of like feel out intuitively what that might be. Gotcha. Popping flame or noisy flame. Mm. Have you ever had that where it's like keeps making noise and you're like, what's it sizzly? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Some, this means that someone's trying to interfere with you. Like someone's working against you. Ooh, rude. I know. Now don't think of it so much as like someone's cursed you. See our curse episode for more on that. (laughs) It could be, but it's most likely someone that you're like doing something with. So let's say you're working on a project at work in a group and you Mm. need to do this. That means that someone is like in that group is not aligned with the same goal as you. Gotcha. Okay. So it doesn't always have to be as dramatic as like, Ooh, someone's out to get you. It could just be that something is out of alignment with someone else. Gotcha. Okay. Have you ever had the candle go out Jay while you were doing this? No. If that happens, it usually means that you are not grounded. Oh, that makes sense. So it's a lot of times this happens and people are like, Oh no, some ghost is like blowing it out or this means something really bad around it. And I'm going to die. My, my flame's going out. Right. What it really just means is that whatever is going on with you energetically is making it so it, like, think of the candle as being like, there's no message for you till you get yourself together. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay. Now, if you have a, a flame that won't go out, like you keep trying to blow it out and it's not going out, hmm. this means that you need to you need to start again and and look because you didn't get the message that they were trying to give you. Oh, okay. Have you ever had a candle that won't light? Mm, no. Okay. So I have, maybe not while I'm trying to like do something like this, but mm-hmm. like, let's just say you're trying to light the candles on the table and there's this one that won't light. And you're like, what in the heck? All right. Oh, that has happened to me. Yeah. Okay. This means that whatever you're thinking about, you are holding on way too tight and like trying to force an outcome. Oh, shocking. Shocking. Yeah, this happens to me. (laughs) You like control. (laughs) Right. Okay. If there is a lot of smoke when you like blow out the candle, like more than what would usually happen, Mm -hmm. um, this is just sort of a sign that like there's a lot of energy around it and the element of air is very present. Okay. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. You would just want to see how that aligns. Gotcha. Now you can also go in and see what the smoke like does. Um, like if it goes towards you or away from you, like I won't read every single thing, but all of that happens. You can look if like the flame is like blue. That usually means that there's like angel energy around you. Mm-hmm. You know, when a candle burns and it makes like a crater. Yeah. Okay. So this also is a symbol. Um, or if it like burns into like a weird, weird shape. There's some kind of like energy around you that you need to pay more attention to. Okay. Um, So really anything. You can read the wax strips, the soot, like all of that kind of stuff is going to make a difference. Now, I would say 
value your own intuition, like your own reaction to what it's doing over these things, but you can get like a guide. You can also Google it and like find different images of like describing what it is, but all super interesting. I think. I agree. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Runes. Yes. This is the source of angel cards, oracle cards, tarot cards. Runes are these. Okay. Yep. So basically these are letters in the runic alphabet, which started in like German speaking areas. Yep. Okay. They're also the inspiration for the Greek and Roman alphabet. And there's something called Celtic or Celtic old ham, which is that like Celtic version of the same thing. Right. Exactly. So if you hear any of those things, that's it. So there are some people who use like the Greek alphabet to do this or the Roman alphabet, all fine, all right about the same thing, just different areas and how they did it. Yep. We can find evidence evidence of these runes being used in 160 CE. Yeah, that, that makes sense. We're freaking old. Super old. <laughs> okay. There's also evidence of them in like England, Scandinavia, and just beyond everywhere. Okay. Right. So basically what these are, they look like symbols. They're kind of early letters and yep. they're made with a lot of different vertical lines. Yep. And they're meant to look like branches and twigs. Mm-hmm. There's a speech sound for each, just like our alphabet. There's a sound for each letter. There's the same thing. But also for each symbol, there's some kind of meaning. So some yep. of the, like one of the symbols is abundance, new opportunity, creativity, flow, protection, whatever. Right. So much like you would do with angel cards, tarot cards, oracle cards, whatever you're using you're going to just like pick without looking one, maybe two, maybe three. You're going to interpret what they mean based on what you're asking about. Yep. You may also keep one. Like for a while I had one that was for protection in my purse. That's all that to you. You can use that way. Um, And then you can also make all different formations, much like you would with tarot to get like a sort of a story of what's coming up for you. Yeah. You can do almost like a reading like you could do like a spread, which you would do with cards. You could do with runes. Exactly. I love runes. I, you know, I love cards, but runes have some sort of otherworldly energy to them. Yep, they do. I don't care if you draw them yourself on a piece of paper and cut it out. There's some sort of like ancient magic that like leaps out of them for me. I was just going to say the energy is very ancient. It's very powerful. You can feel it. Yes. Now where I am always telling everybody, go try everything and see what you think. I'm just saying, please use a little caution with runes because they are incredibly powerful. And I think because of their power, I don't think you're going to do anything bad to yourself. But I think if you were like messing with runes for hours and you had never done that before, you could sort of get like an energy hangover from something like that. Agree. Yeah, I agree. So be careful. Okay. Dowsing rods. Mm. This is the gift I gave Jamie. It's so cool. These are, I love these for so many reasons because one of the things that I think is funny is that my father has dowsing rods. Well, I was just going to say they've like slipped into like the regular muggle world yes. through, like, through like finding water and people, exactly. will, people will accept them for that. Exactly. My father does not try to get divine messages as far as I know. From his dowsing rods, but he does use them to look at water. (laughs) 
You never know. He's yeah. a pretty intuitive guy. Yeah. He, he's just not telling us. Maybe. He's not telling anybody. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. But we've found these, again, made of different things and different materials in all cultures. Um, right. The earliest we can find is in ancient Greece of the dowsing rods. Yep. Basically, there are these rods that you would hold in your hands. Sometimes they were made of metal. Um, sometimes they were made of wood. I, I would say most of them are like metallic in nature. Yep. And what people would do would hold them in their hands. So like there's in like the modern version anyways, there's like a handle that you hold and you have one in each hand. Right. And then off of the handle, I believe the ones I got, you have like a wooden handle. Is that right? Yeah. The handle's wood. And then off of them is the metal. So you're not touching the metal. You're touching the wood. Right. And then what people would use them for in ancient times was yes, to find water Yep. find minerals and crystals and, and metal. Um, I found accounts of people looking for bodies using them. Ooh. Okay. Better. Basically anything that you're looking for, you can use them for. Right. But it's accepted in like the construction world to use them for water now. Right. Because I'm sure, like we always say, I'm sure there's some scientific reason why that works. Yeah. The hill I will die on is that intuition and science overlap so greatly that we're just waiting for them to catch up to each other. Exactly. You don't know how many YouTube videos I watched with sciencey, scientistic men. I don't know if scientific is a word, but I just made it up. Scientific. (laughs) Talking about how it's so weird that we don't know how these work. Right. Because they'll never say that it's intuition. Yeah. Where they're like, we know it works, but we don't know why. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Except we do know why. Exactly. Um, So what they do is like, whether you're searching for water or asking it a question, how the rods move and react are going to give you an answer. When you use them for questions, they act almost like a pendulum. It's like- exactly. You get a yes, you get a no. And so you can ask questions like that. Exactly. So if we're looking at using them for like getting a message, exactly Mm. what Jamie said, very similar to a pendulum, you're going to hold them and you're going to ask a question or say a statement. And if they cross, the answer is yes. If they go away from each other, the answer is no. And then in every variation of that, like if they cross a little, like how they react, right? tell you something. Even like, I remember our kids really liked these, like big hit. And so we also have very intuitive children. So it's not like weird for them to hold like a dowsing rod. That's not like a weird day. Right. Exactly. Okay. So they were doing them. And even at sometimes when they weren't even like thinking about what they were doing, they'd just be holding them and you would watch the rods just react to what they were thinking. Exactly. 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 I remember your daughter holding them and like starting to get nervous because we're all looking at her and they started going cuckoo. Right. They start spinning. Yeah. So they just react to you. So right. you can use them. They're super fun. Yep. If you have like a muggly person in your life who like wants to like check something out, their mind will be blown by them. Right. Exactly. Yeah, much like a well, I think What's cool about them is that like there's, it's not just like yes or no. Like you said that it will vary to like, sometimes you ask a question and they like fly into a yeah. cross. Yeah. Meaning yes. But sometimes you ask something and it, they're like just slowly creeping towards each other and they'll like barely make an X, right? Exactly. So it's interesting in that you can, you know, you can use divination. You can, you can read into that response also. Exactly. Exactly. And they're, they're reading your own intuitive response. Right. It's your own energy. It's just reading your energy. Exactly. So you can check that out 
kids love these. Um, yep. Muggles love them. You can get them everywhere. <laughs> I think I got yours on Amazon. Like they're they're around. You can get them. Yeah, they're um, everywhere. Get them and try them. They're super fun. Yep. All right. I have one more that I want to mention, but before I do, I just want to honorably mention something. Okay. Because it was very hard to get a lot of information on this, but I think it's super cool is that maize, otherwise known as corn, right. also used for divination, much like runes or oracle cards or anything like that to get messages. Well, I mean, doesn't that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that like if you're farming or growing things or planting things that like if you're tapped into your intuition, you're going to see signs and messages in the thing that you're using all the time. Exactly. So we find a lot of evidence of this in ancient Mexican cultures and also many indigenous American cultures, many different tribes. They all seem to use it differently. Unfortunately, this one, for some reason, hasn't been whitewashed. Not unfortunately, it hasn't been whitewashed, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of info on it. Right, right, exactly. I would say I wouldn't feel like I would use this because it seems like it could be a closed practice. I'm not looking to like yeah. encourage that. But I, I just I want to make sure that I, I cover as many different cultures as I can. And so I agree. It's the same thing, just using what's around you, which is the point that I want to make. I think to that point, I've created my own divination. <laughs> and it's it's based on not on maize itself, but on the fact that like the thing that you use, the thing you're planting or growing or whatever, I swear that my phone is like like when I if I t- if I'm typing a, a message or if I'm typing an email on my phone and the word that I want doesn't come up but another word does. Oh yes. I'm always like, "Oh, okay, what I don't just like, I don't just, sometimes I'll automatically delete it and retype it. But sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, why that word? Yes, there are many times. Oh, okay. So that's a little bit of a message, right? So it's like, it's like, because every, we use our phones all the time. So like, I'm in tuned my, to my phone, like that, my energy's on that phone. Your energy is reacting with technology all the time. Exactly. I mean, we tried to start this set this recording a bunch of times <laughs> and Jamie couldn't be visible. And I'm not going to get into why that tracks, but it really truly tracks. She had to put a lot of effort into being visible on the video. Like we can see each other while we're recording these and I couldn't see her. Yeah, exactly. So literally pay attention to everything that's happening. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. The last thing that I wanted to mention, I don't think this is really well known. I had heard of this, but didn't really know how it worked. So I thought I would talk about it. And this is I Ching. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah, I have. Okay. So you can use coins. Now, this is an ancient Chinese practice. From what I could find, it does not seem like a closed practice. It seems like a an open thing. But I am not qualified to state that. So I would research that for yourself as well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but they would use ancient Chinese coins, which I think is the most powerful way of using them. But you can use it with any coin, really. Yep. Okay. So what you're going to do is just take coins. They suggested pennies in the article that I liked the most about this. So mm-hmm. grab those. If you're just trying it, use any. If you're going to use the this like repeatedly to, to look into stuff and to ask questions, keep the same three coins and only use them for this. Yeah. Like make your own set. Exactly. Okay. So you need three, three of them. You're going to take your coins and you're going to focus on your question situation. Same way to start as all of them. 
Right, exactly. Now you are going to either write down your question or think about your question. A lot of things said in this practice, it's typically written down, but I don't think that is the most important part. No. You're going to take your coins and you're going to toss them however you want. Like you can do it with like the thumb trick or you can just shake them up and like toss them on the table, almost like dice. It doesn't matter. You just don't want to be able to see if they're landing on heads or tails. Okay. Now what you're going to then look at is you're going to add sort of like the values together. So like if something lands on heads, it counts as three. Okay. If it lands on tails, it counts as two. Okay. So adding up your three coins, you're going to get six, seven, eight, or nine. Yep. And each number corresponds with a shape. Okay. And it's kind of a line. So there's one that's like a solid line. There's one that's aligned with a space in the middle, one aligned with an X and one that's aligned with a circle. Okay. Now, depending on how you do this is the next step. So you're going to repeat this process six times and you're going to have a bunch of shapes that you're going to make into a hexagram. Okay. Now that's like the real ancient way of doing it, but sort of the shortcut version is to just do it that many times, do it six times and then add the total number together and look up which hexagram shape that is. Oh, okay. Now that hexagram shape that you get at the end will be your message. Gotcha. Isn't that so cool? Super cool. Yeah. It's a ton of steps. There's lots of guidebooks, but I was reading a lot of different things about people who had this done, like by an actual practitioner and the accuracy of what like came through was like really, really amazing. I was just going to say, this sounds like something that you should have done for you. Yeah. It reminds me of, yeah, it reminds me of a form of numerology. Right. Add together these things and, you know, this and like find a number and what does that mean? It's very similar to me, but it's super, super cool. I think try it out. See what you get. Again, you can Google it. I would encourage you to get a book from a practitioner because why not support somebody who does it? But um, check it out. Another cool thing and just another evidence of like what was around coins. So let's do this. So use that. Exactly. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that's what I have for you. Are there any other ones that you can think of that you think we should talk about? I mean, there's so many. No, but I think that if the listeners do, they should let us know and we can circle back. Exactly. I thought about mentioning like animal messages. Um, Mm -hmm. That is a very ancient thing, but you know, we do talk about that in a lot of our Sabbath episodes, but Mm -hmm. there's that. Um, Another one that I thought you could have an honorable mention is I never say this right, but bibliomancy, I think is how you say it. So that's when you ask a question and then you pick some numbers at random and open a book to that page and that word. Oh, yeah. Get a message. Um, Very cool to do too. But again, there's so many. Let us know if there's some that we missed that you want to hear about. But basically, as you can see, they all follow the same format. Right. It's just you tapping into your own intuition. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, I would say that I was going to go get a cup of tea to do a tea reading, but I'm really going to go get coffee. You are getting an Americano. I am definitely getting an Americano, but I will see if any messages come through while I'm drinking it. You let me know. Hey, everyone. Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IgG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go onto whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, 
like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Thanks for listening to our episode. For a way to get in touch with us, please visit our website, intuitivegirlsguide.com. We love hearing your feedback on our episodes.